What's going on, everybody? Before we get into the episode, I just want to say thank you guys so much for your continued support of the podcast and continued listening to the episodes. Um, I took a hiatus dealing with some family issues. I just want to let you guys know that. Just continue to keep me and my family in your prayers. Um, If you want to know more, um, feel free to email me at prescribed.truth at gmail.com. And um, and I just thank you guys so much for continuing support. I just want to let you know, going forward with the episodes, um, I had a, a change in a lot of things concerning finances and also my scheduling. So instead of the weekly podcast going forward, um, I'm going to release at least a podcast once a month. And I'm trying to build back into doing a podcast every week, but I have to get there. And so I just thank you guys for your patience and your support and your prayers. So with um, with that being said, Enjoy the show. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 25. Therefore laying aside falsehood, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another for his name's sake. Prescribe truth, we're giving you what the doctor ordered. Jamal Bandy, apologist, the Lord's servant. We undeserving, but Christ changed our mind frame. In a world full of errors, the only thing the doctor prescribes is truth. Welcome back, everybody, to the Prescribed Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Jamal Bandy, the one who seeks to distribute the truth that the doctor prescribes to the church and the world today. Also a part of the Christian podcast community. If you'd like to contact me, feel free to email me at prescribed.truth at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, please do so at patreon.com forward slash prescribed truth. I really do appreciate you guys donation. And for those of you who continually support prescribed truth on Patreon, thank you so much, especially through um, this hiatus. I've been gone a few months. So thank you guys so much for your continued support. I greatly appreciate it. Um, So on today, I wanted to come back to the podcast scene talking about or breaking down the three fifths compromise. I did a video on my channel. I think I, yeah, I did a, a podcast episode as well. It was a podcast slash video um, breaking down the founders' intent in our um, Declaration of Independence. Didn't too much go into the Declaration of Independence. Just was looking at um, the the accusation that they were uh, racist. You know, so did did America start off ba- was based on racism? The, the start of America. You get what I'm saying. So I looked into it, and the argument that was always brought up was the Three Fifths Compromise. So I covered it then, and I remember um, taking you guys through the census that was going on uh, from uh, 1766 up until the uh, the abolition of slavery in um, 1863 with the Emancipation Proclamation and so on. So, yeah, so I covered that, and we saw a trend. You know, we did see a trend. We saw a trend in how uh, as uh, there were less slaves, there were more free men, free black men, and therefore representation was growing uh, for those who opposed slavery versus those who were for slavery. And, you know, and so it was a gradual, you know, it's a gradual shift. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen in the span of the decade. It took a long time. But the founders did have it on their mind to end slavery. They wanted to end slavery. And so I'm bringing this back up now because I've had several conversations since then um, where people are still looking at the three-fifths compromise as being something that showed that the founders 
hated black people. They saw black people as being less than human, you know, and, and it, the information is out there, guys, on the Internet. I mean, you can pull up three fields compromise and see how it's defined, what was discussed in it, what it, what was detailed in it. And yet uh, people still have this notion, you know, and if, if gone unchecked, it continues to spread. And so we need to start spreading what the truth is versus the lie. Like the scripture says, lay aside all falsehoods, laying aside all falsehoods, speak truth, each one of you to his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Speak truth. You know, and unfortunately, a lot of our uh, black brothers and sisters who are Christian have bought into this idea as well, you know, and not knowing what the truth is. And what we do, guys, is we start bearing false witness against these founders. They're dead and gone, but we bear false witness concerning them by saying that they um, hated black people and that our that our country had a racist start. You know, um, that was the intent of the founders to continue racism. That That's just not true. Maybe those in the Southern colonies, maybe they want to continue slavery, but that wasn't the case for all the founders, you know? And so you understand America didn't want to be a dictatorship. You know, one person was not going to rule the whole lot, you know, there's checks and balances. And because there are checks and balances, you know, there has to be compromise. So we have the three fifths compromise. All right. Because in the Northern colonies, they wanted to end it. In Southern colonies, they wanted to continue. So that needed to be a compromise. All right. And so anyway, I want to pull up this um, article. I converted it to a PDF, but the website that is linked to, I will put in the description or show notes. So you guys can look at it as well. It's from Britannica. And so I'm going to pull that up for you guys. And those who are watching on YouTube, you're able to look at this uh, PDF with me. And I'm just going to read through this, guys. Um, it's not very long. You know, there's three pages. We're just going to read through this. Um, and it describes the three-fifths compromise. So I don't, I'm not reading the three-fifths compromise, but this describes it. And guys, you can look up the three-fifths compromise and read the actual document yourself, just like the Constitution. You can read it. You know, it's there. So this is the three-fifths compromise. It says it com- it's a compromise agreement between delegates from the northern and the southern states at the United States Constitutional Convention. That three-fifths of the slave population will be counted for determining direct taxation and representation in the House of Representatives. So, guys, you know how our election process works, right? Um, you know, we have the House, Senate, you know, we have all, you know, all this stuff. We have Electoral College and all these things. But the House of Representatives, that's the key. It's based off of population. So every state, based on how many people are in it, determines that representation in the House. All right. And so the, the South had more people. I mean, they had more people because of the slaves. There were more people in the South than there were in the North because of the slave population. All right. And there weren't many free blacks. There were some free, for, uh, there were some free blacks, but there weren't many. All right. Not compared to those who were still enslaved. All right. And so anyway, so, so that so they wanted to have some kind of equal representation, you know, some kind of fair deal. So in the beginning, this actually this compromise worked in favor of the South more so. But see, the founders had to know that over time, slaves would not continue to be slaves. They had to know this, guys. You know, and so in my understanding, in my assumption, I'm assuming that they agreed to this compromise. The northern people who wanted to end slavery agreed to this compromise, realizing that slaves wouldn't always be slaves. And that for those who are enslaved, they were count as three fifths of this. um, They will count three fifths of the slave population. 
So there'll be three fifths of a person, or whatever case may be, people call that. But anyway, they'll be counted, you know, but not the full, but just three fifths of them, you know, a fraction of them. And they had to know that the fraction would get smaller and smaller as time went on. And so that's the assumption, guys. And it's a it's a logical assumption to make. And so, yeah. So it worked better for the South in the beginning. But you know, and they agreed to this because it looked good to them in the beginning. And I don't think the Southerners, you know, and they didn't like this. They didn't like it that bad. But I mean, that much. But they had to see that, you know what, this is not going to continue. But anyway, so continue to read. I'm going on my tangent. Many of the founding fathers acknowledged that slavery violated the ideal of liberty that was so central to the American Revolution. So this is the I like this, the, the honesty of this article in Britannica. It says many of the founding fathers because it wasn't all the founding fathers. We have to acknowledge there were some founding fathers who want to continue slavery. You know, you're talking about 13 colonies at the time. They wanted so the southern colonies wanted to continue slavery. So many other founding fathers acknowledged that slavery violated the ideal liberty. You know, so, you know, but you, you can't say that all of them were racist. They weren't all racist. But because they were committed to the sanctity of private property rights, the principles of limited government and the pursuit of intersectional harmony, they were unable to take bold action against slavery. And look, this is this is what we have now, guys. This is what we should have. The sanctity of private property rights. This is what we want to protect. You know, even as as we come to today, you don't want the government to tell you how you can run your household. So they did have they did um, understand or they want to be committed to the sanctity of private property rights. You know, like you, you want to keep the government out of your house. The principles of limited government. So the government has a limit. They can't do whatever they want to do. This is the principles that make America great. <laughs> oh, John, I'm going to get some hate behind that. But that's what made America great as it is today. Like why people always want to come here versus going to other places. Limited government. And unfortunately, with CRT and everything else, they, they try to um, expand the balance of government, you know, and this, you know, and all this propaganda going on. Anyway, another tangent. And the pursuit of intersectional harmony, they were unable to take hold, I mean, take bold action against slavery. Moreover, the Southern founders, um, thoroughgoing, uh, yeah, I think that's thoroughgoing embrace of slave-based agriculture and their deeply ingrained racial prejudice solidified the barriers against emancipation. So Southern founders, they want to continue slave-based agriculture and they were, they had racial prejudice. All right. So we already know that from, you know, for majority of the people in the South, that was the case. So they, there was barriers against emancipation. So they couldn't, you know, it's like they couldn't just have emancipation immediately because of these barriers. All right. So that the Continental Congress removed Thomas Jefferson's statement regarding the injustice of the slave trade and by implication slavery from the final version of the Declaration of Independence is emblematic of the founders resolve to subordinate or to subordinate the controversial issue of slavery to the larger goal of securing the unity and independence of the United States. Now that's interesting that there's an original version of our declaration of independence. And I didn't know this guys. I'm just like, as I'm reading this to you guys, I'm just finding out because I haven't read this article prior to talking with you guys, you know, but it's interesting that there's an original version of the declaration of independence that includes Thomas Jefferson saying that he recognized the injustice of the slave trade. And by implication, slavery. So they took that out and they took that out because they wanted to secure the large goal of unity and independence in the United States. Politics. 
politics like we we have going on today politics you know it would be right for that to be in there but it would offend the the southern founders you know make them feel bad they don't want they want to keep us unified in some way you know because we got to be unified you know united states so you you see the, the mindset that's working around here but that's interesting that was in there in the original version i mean taken out later interesting so notwithstanding the initial disagreements over slavery at the Constitutional Convention in 1787, the framers of the Constitution continued to privilege the maintenance of unity of the new United States over the eradication of slavery by resolving to again, I mean, to again, diffuse sectional tensions over the matter. As they went about creating a new scheme of government, the delegates from the small and large states were divided on the issue of the uh, apportionment. Uh, uh, sorry apportionment of legislative representation. So we talk about as far as the population, you got smaller states, larger states, smaller population, larger population, so on and so forth. The Virginia or large state plan provided for a bicameral legislator with representation of each state based on its population or wealth. The New Jersey or small state plan proposed equal representation for each state in Congress. Neither the large nor the small states would yield, but the deadlock was resolved by the Connecticut or Great Compromise, which resulted in the establishment of bicameral legislator with proportional representation in the lower house and equal representation of the states in the upper house. The matter of how to determine population was anything but trivial. Having failed to secure the um, abolishment of slavery, some delegates from the northern states sought to make representation dependent on the size of a state's free population. This is the key on a state's free population. Southern delegates, on the other hand, threatened to abandon the convention if enslaved individuals were not counted. So the South wanted the slaves to be counted. This is the contention. Hey, let's base the population off the free, you know, off the those who are free. The South say, uh-uh, you know, not too fast, Jose. We're going we gonna to count these slaves too. They're going to be counted. So, you gotta, yeah. I guess if you want to talk about how three fifths compromise makes talk about um, slaves being three uh, three fifths of a person, well, hey, your your southern racist people, those your southern racist people want them to be counted as one whole, but for what reason? What purpose? Each slave being counted as a whole, what for what purpose? All right, and I, I hate saying a three like three fifths of a person because it's not what it was, not three fifths of a person, but three fifths of the population. So you take the whole number of slaves, and only three fifths of them will be counted. All right, so a lot of them won't be counted. That's basically what it be. But they wanted each of them to be counted. All right, so I mean that's that's your southern racist people. They wanted all slave men to be counted. All right, they said they weren't having that, and so they said they they was threatening to abandon the convention. Just like, hey man, just we going, we bouncing, like we ain't even gonna hear hear it. Like that's you know, since this is contention, and so he said, eventually the framers agreed on a compromise that called for representation in the House of Representatives to be apportioned on the basis of a state's free population plus three fifths of its enslaved population. This agreement came to be known as the Three Fifths Compromise, and I think this is, I guess, this is a quote from it. Representatives, representatives and direct taxes shall be apportioned among the several states which may be included within this union according to their um, respective numbers. 
which shall be determined by adding to the whole number of free persons, including those bound to service for a term of years and excluding Indians not taxed three fifths of all other persons. All right. So they call, you know, and it's interesting, the wording of this, all other persons, they didn't call them all other property, all other, you know, uh, cattle. <laughs> they call them persons, all other persons. They saw slaves as human beings. All right. So to say they saw slaves being less than human is not true. They saw them as human beings. And, you know, and so they called them persons, all persons, free persons, other persons. You know, so it should be noted that neither the word slave nor the word slavery appears in this clause or anywhere in the unamended Constitution. They didn't even refer to them as slaves. They called them persons, you know, but that's what they were talking about. So granting slaveholding states the right to count three fifths of their population of enslaved individuals when it came to apportioning representatives to Congress meant that those states would thus be perpetually overrepresented in national politics. So it started off good for the South. You know, what I'm saying like they was overrepresented. That's why slavery was able to continue as long as it did. So people ask, like, why? So if they did this, it would help black people. Then why did it take so long? So you think about 1776, you know, saying the Declaration of Independence. You got uh, this Constitution being drawn up. And, you know, this is like so almost almost 10 years later when that's drawn up, we have a three-fifths compromise. And then you got, shoot, that was 1780. So not even 100, you probably like maybe 80 years later, 80 years later, where uh, the Emancipation Proclamation came to be. And let's roughly give or take a few years, 80 years, you know, and that's how that's why it took so long. Like they, it was overrepresented over the course of time, you know. But if you look at the census, like if you look at the census data and track from around when the time the three fifths compromise came to be up until the abolition of slavery, You'll see the, the free population continue to build, and that three fifths number was continuing to get smaller and smaller because enslaved individuals were becoming free, and they were moving. Most of them were moving, you know, so they were losing representation. And so, anyway, um, go back to where I was at. Yeah, so to overrepresent it in national politics. However, the same ratio was to be used to determine the federal tax contribution required of each state, thus increasing the, the direct federal tax burden of slaveholding states. So it hurt them in taxes. Provision was also added to the Constitution for a law permitting the recapture of fugitive slaves, along with a meritorium until 1808 on any congressional ban against the importation of slaves. Though, in the meantime, individual states remain free to prohibit slave imports if they so wished. So states could choose not to receive any more slaves in their states, even in the southern states. They can refuse to receive any more. But they did put a provision in there in the Constitution for a law permitting the. Oh, yeah. For a law permitting the recapture of fugitive slaves. So they couldn't just run away. So that was there. We know that. So that was in our Constitution. Couldn't, they couldn't just run away. Slaves, they had to be they could be captured and brought back. All right. That was in there. That's just reality. And that was in. That was in that article. So so with that being said, guys, I just want to talk about the three-fifths compromise in that sense. Like, the, we have to start with three-fifths compromise was, um, you know, they looked at black people as less than human. They were three-fifths of a person. It hurt us. Like, no, it helped us. It was a compromise brought to play to help us in the end. 
that's why like guys, you know, as they continue to lose representation, slavery, slavery became abolished. And it was because of our founders, those founders who weren't racist, who opposed slavery, but yet wanted to make America united and therefore keep, um, you know, wanting to keep government out of your homes and dealing with private property, you know, what you did on your land and, you know, everything else like and own slaves were counted as property. We know this, you know what I'm saying? So that's what they did. You know, and we benefited from we benefit from it today. That's why government can't come into our homes willy nilly. They can't just, you know, do tell us how to run our homes here in America. They're trying to get there. They are. But for the longest, it was not so. And so anyway, I just hope this helps, guys. And dealing with the three-fifths compromise, please share this with anyone who has this notion that three-fifths compromise was a racist ploy from a racist founders and everything else. But we do acknowledge that some of our founders were racist. Some of our founders were pro-slavery. This is why it was a compromise. All right. So anyway, um, remember, this world is full of errors. But the only thing the doctor prescribes is truth. Until next time. Blessings.